Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Sif Heider, the founder of Array. I'm a wellness entrepreneur and digital creator, and this is my show, The Dream Bigger Podcast. Listen, I love dreaming big, but you know what I love more? Actually having the resources to make those big dreams happen. And hey, Dreams can sometimes be private jets, but other times they can look a little something like having the best skin of your damn life or starting a successful business or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. So let's get right into it. Hello, hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Dream Bigger podcast. Today's episode is with Mona Katan. And if you are a beauty junkie at all, you will know that she is an absolute force in the beauty industry. She is the co-founder of Huda Beauty, which she started with her sister Huda and her other sister Alia. She is also the founder of Kaoli, which is their fragrance brand. And she is just an all-round badass. Today's episode, we go through Mona's journey as an entrepreneur. It's very, very impressive how she has thought of building out this beauty empire that she has created alongside her family members and how she thinks of fragrance as well. Because as a category, fragrance is really interesting. It's unlike fashion and beauty, which is a little bit easier from, I guess, a brand storytelling side. And it's like easier for consumers to just get it. Whereas with with fragrance. And even for us, our category is supplements. So I know this, and this is why I was so interested in this. The storytelling has to be a lot more convincing and compelling. So we go into all of that. And in order for a fragrance brand to really blow up like Kaoli has, you have to do such a phenomenal job with that storytelling piece. And so that's what I was really excited to speak to Mona about. I highly recommend this episode for anyone who is interested in entrepreneurship or marketing in any sense of the word. Mona is also a master at all things social media. Her following is so large and so engaged. And, you know, from what I hear from my friends in the Middle East, every time I even go to Dubai, their stuff just crushes. And so they've built this cult following and incredible products. I have to say, like I was going to get into today's hot tip, but it is for me, the Kaoli Yum Pistachio Perfume, which we talk about during today's episode. But this is a phenomenal product. I have been wearing it every single day since Mona gifted it to me. 
And so it's not just marketing. It's a solid, solid product. So I'm really excited to bring you this conversation. I think Mona is incredibly smart and we can just learn so much from her. I know I did and I hope you guys do too. Before we get into the show, let's go through this week's review. This week's review comes to us from Angie Sim and she says, love it already. Just started this podcast today and I've already listened to three episodes. Oh, love the information being shared. And I feel like it's coming from a close friend. Thank you so much, Angie. This is such a sweet review. Thank you so, so much. Guys, if you have a couple of seconds and want to support the show, please, please take the time to rate and review it. All you have to do is open the Apple podcast app, scroll down to where it says rate and review the show. If you feel like I deserve it, please leave me a five-star rating. And in the review section, tell me anything you want me to know. Any feedback is helpful. Favorite guests from past episodes, favorite topics, topics you want to hear more of, guests you want to hear more of. Literally any feedback you give me is so helpful for me as a host and allows me to show up as someone who continues to bring you a ton of value and give you the content that you are looking for on this platform. So with that, let's welcome Mona to the Dream Bigger podcast. Okay, so I want to start by like going into your career because you've had quite the trajectory. I mean, you've built this like beauty empire. And when I was doing my research, I was looking at the fact that it was kind of your idea to even get the Huda Beauty brand started with lashes. How'd that come about? You know, at the time, I was already kind of experimenting with entrepreneurship. Uh-huh. Um, so I had my own beauty salon at the time. Oh. And I was always like helping Huda. Like even before when she just had her blog, I was also doing PR. I had my own PR agency. Like I dabbled in a you lot. You did all of it. Like <laughs> as soon as I graduated university, I did work in banking for a year uh-huh. as a promise to my dad because my dad, you know, is a very traditional Middle Eastern person and he was like, you know, you have to have a stable career, have something that you can fall back on in case like nothing works out. But like in my head, I've always been in love with entrepreneurs and mm-hmm. their stories. So like since I was a child, like 13 years old, I started like reading about Tony Robbins and like the self-help world, personal development world, and then entrepreneur stories as well. Like so inspiring to me. When I left university, I worked in banking for a year. As soon as it hit one year, I resigned because that was the promise to my dad. I was like, one year and one day I was out. And I immediately started just experimenting. I had a PR agency, then I had a beauty salon. And then I was like, Huda, you know, like I see you are obsessed with makeup, of course. And she used to do a lot of my friends' makeup. And they kept coming up to me and they'd ask me, like, where can I get Huda's lashes from? And, like, I kept saying, like, sorry, you can't get them. She's making them. Because she was. She Mm -hmm. was actually, like, cutting them up together, making pairs on her own. Because I don't know if you remember, like, back in, this was 2000 and I'd say 2011 at the time. Like, there was no really good lashes. Like, it was Mm -hmm. MAC. Maybe Shu Amra was, like, interesting but expensive. But there weren't many, like amazing lash brands. So people kept asking me, they're like, where can I get them? I was like, you can't. And I kept hearing this question. And then I had an epiphany one day. I was like, maybe we should just make them. Yeah. You know, like why like keep saying no to people and turning people away? So I went to her and I was like, if we can find a way to make your own lash line, would you be open to it? And she was like, yes, absolutely. Yes. And we just started. Like I went online. <laughs> I researched. Google everyone's like, best friend. <laughs> best friend ever. I researched every manufacturer that I could find. And we ended up finding the top one in the world. Begged them to work with us. Because at the time they weren't interested in like working with influencers because it wasn't really a thing then. Like there were no like real influencer brands that were successful. Like all the other ones like Bobby Brown were like Estee Lauder and like big corporations. But um, we convinced them. 
And shortly after, it was actually my connection with my beauty salon that got me into Sephora because my distributor for L'Oreal was the same distributor, same joint venture partner for Sephora. So the stars kind of started to align. And yeah, before you knew it, we had to also convince Sephora it was not easy. It was like over a year of like telling them, you got to believe in this. It's going to be something big. We we had a meeting with someone working with Sephora and uh, we showed them a lash tray, no packaging, nothing else. And we're like, this is going to be huge one day. And Huda, she's amazing. She's mm-hmm. like, she was sharing her vision of like why she felt it was necessary and like why it was so amazing. And she convinced them. So the th- the interesting thing here is that people listening can be like, oh, like, you get into Sephora, like, but it's not easy even once you're in. Oh, no. And what's really cool about you guys is I I think I followed like the evolution of your brand and not just Huda Beauty, but the fact that you guys launched Wishful and then Kaoli. I've been following it for a while. Oh, and I feel like you guys have just continued to stay relevant. And so oh, thanks. can Try. you? Oh, no, you're crushing <laughs> it's a, it, really. It's a full-time job for us and our whole team. Oh, yeah. We're all trying, you know, it's tough. It is tough. Yeah, it's tough. But can you give us kind of like an inside look into what it's like once you get into Sephora and how you continue to make sure you're top of mind for consumers? Yeah. I mean, I would say there's no easy answer for that Mm -hmm. at all because it's like you have to keep creating. You know what I mean? It's like you have to really be in love with what you're doing because if you're just doing it to kind of like create your own brand for just the sake of that, it's going to have not an expiration date, but you're going to become complacent and people are going to forget about you because the truth is today, every industry, but I think especially beauty it's so fast because of social media, and it's also so competitive because of social media. It's like anyone can really start their own brand, and if they have a following, a small community, they can create something, which is amazing. I love that. It's very democratic, but it's also very challenging to stay relevant, to stay interesting. So you need to be in love with whatever you're starting so then you can keep creating something new, and that's what we're trying to do. You know, mm-hmm. every every day we're working on, like, other ideas for the future. Like in my Excel file, I have, I don't even know, maybe 500 submissions of different fragrances that we have that we, we might work on. But in in progress right now, I'm probably working on like 20 fragrances. That's yeah bananas. Yeah. But that, again, is like an inside look into R&D because even it's the same for our company, right? It's not like one day it's like launched and we started working on it last month. Like it's been a process for longer than anyone sure. can imagine. And so I, what you're saying with like the 20 of them that you're actively working on, it's a very real life look into being a founder and like yeah. starting a successful brand. Because out of 20, maybe retailers will be interested in 10 and then you can try to plan out those 10 over the next few years. So it's really, really hard and you have to work in parallel. You can't just put all your eggs in one basket. And yeah, some things can take a long time. Like one project where we're launching, one collection we're launching end of the year has taken five years to launch. Wow. Yeah, five years. 2018 was when I like finalized some of the juices and like, yeah, it's taking five years. So you have to be really patient, think long term and just keep working on more because you never know what's going to hit. You could believe in something, you could have all the data to prove that it's going to be a success. And then for whatever reason, people might not be in love with it. So you have to have other things going on too to to help support. And I think also being nimble and not, I think like things as a founder, and you tell me your experience if it's been similar, but like some things really take off and others fail. And I don't think that we can be so like precious about what did well and what didn't, you know, it's like you have to just like move on and like completely adapt (laughs) 
Completely. And and don't beat yourself up about it either. You know, like, especially with fragrance, it's like so subjective. Like, you know, even with my own team who are like my family, you know, there's fragrances that some of my team members don't like. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, well, it's okay. Like people are different. You have to accept that people have their own opinions, their own feelings, and there's room for other people to like it, you know? Mm-hmm. Same with your product too. Like, you know, it's wellness. It might work really well for exactly. some people. It might work not so great for others, but the world is large. Do your best and try to create something different and interesting and that has value. And yeah, hopefully it works out. But if it doesn't, move on. Take the learnings and then move on. Agreed. <laughs> so I would say like between January to early April of this year, I was traveling like a crazy person and not just traveling. We were also moving. So I feel like there was so much stuff happening. And let me tell you, I really felt it. I felt exhausted. I felt totally just spent. And so now, obviously, since we've moved into our new place and, you know, I just I'm refusing to travel unless it is absolutely like absolutely, absolutely necessary. But when I was going through this time, something that I really wanted to do was make sure that my immune system was protected because the last thing I wanted was to be so go, go, go and also be sick. That is the absolute worst. So I was just taking whatever I could to protect my immune system. And one thing that I was doing every single day was the Vive Organic Ginger Turmeric Shots. These things are so good because Let's be real. I am not someone who has the time to be out here making ginger shots on my own. I just don't. Okay. And so I wanted something that was quick and easy and efficient and really, really high quality, which is what I got from Vive. To those who are curious about taking the next step towards their personal wellness and want to be more proactive about their healthy choices, Vive Organic is the fresh wellness brand that strengthens your immune system with nature's most powerful ingredients. The one that I really like is the Immunity Boost, which I told you it has ginger and turmeric. And it also has a tiny bit of pineapple juice, which I think makes the whole thing a little bit more easy to take because normally ginger shots are just very jarring. And this one actually tastes pretty decent, which I really like. Vive holds themselves to the highest quality of sustainably sourced fresh pressed ingredients. Vive is doctor crafted for effectiveness you can trust. It has zero added sugars, zero artificial flavors, zero artificial colors, and Vive never waters down their shots. It's available in a variety of blends for every immune boosting occasion. To start your journey, use code DREAM for 15% off. And to learn more, visit viveorganic.com. So you're going to want to visit viveorganic.com and use code DREAM at checkout for 15% off your first purchase. That's V-I-V-E-O-R-G-A-N-I-C.com and use code DREAM for 15% off your first order. Trust me, you guys, this little shot is going to change your life. Enjoy. One of the most used tools in my toolbox when I went from working at a company to working for myself as a creator and then, you know, starting Array was Adobe Express. You guys, this program, I can't even tell you how easy it makes it for people to design assets and just create really professional looking material without paying a ton of money for it. It's also very, very user friendly. So I remember when I went from working for someone to a full-time creator, I was creating things like graphics for my blog, covers for YouTube. And then obviously as we started Array, 
I was handling all social media personally. And so Adobe was just incredibly, incredibly helpful when I was navigating that. And so I'm really, really excited to be partnering with Adobe for Small Business Month to bring you the tips and tricks to use today to elevate your business or brand. You don't need to be a designer in order to generate professional quality marketing or trendy content like social media posts. A tool like Adobe Express can serve as your own marketing team and it's available completely free. It makes designing content so easy. Seriously, it is made for anyone at any skill level. And I can not stress that enough because oftentimes entrepreneurs think that they need this big team or all these resources to start, you know, going after their dreams. And I want to stress to you that you don't need that when you're starting. Adobe is an incredibly, incredibly helpful tool. With Adobe Express, you don't have to start designs from scratch. Instead, you have a head start on any project you're working on and can get inspiration from thousands of free templates that you can customize to fit your brand's aesthetic. There are templates for everything you need to get started from designing your logo to social content flyers and more. And with Adobe Express, you can edit everything all in one place easily, including removing photo backgrounds, animating text, and adding your brand color scheme to any asset with one push of a button. It's all so efficient. And most importantly, it is free. No matter your business or side hustle, you can use Adobe Express for everything from designing your business logo to creating your social media content, marketing assets, and everything in between. Whether you're an entrepreneur, small business owner, leader, influencer, or career-driven superstar, you can all expand your marketing division and start creating today free with Adobe Express available on all your favorite app stores. There are also plenty of other tips and tricks to get you started at adobe.com slash express. Enjoy guys. This is just something that I cannot recommend enough because it changed the way that I did things. And I hope that it helps all of you guys who, you know, are creatives like me to do the same. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Mari Llewellyn and I'm the host of the Pursuit of Wellness podcast. A couple of years ago, I went through a huge transformation. And although I got a lot of attention for losing weight and discovering my passion for weightlifting, there was a lot more to that before and after than what a few pics could ever capture. On the Pursuit of Wellness, you can expect tons of information from experts about optimizing your body and mind. I'll also be sharing some triumphs and struggles from my own personal life. I'm on this journey with you, so you can definitely count on my podcast to give you that weekly dose of encouragement we all need as we pursue things that make us feel our very best inside and out. Tune into the pursuit of wellness every week, wherever you listen to podcasts. So something I think that you've done incredibly well is have a very engaged presence on social. And I've seen it with your personal page. Like, I mean, people are so, so engaged. Same with Kaoli, same with Huda Beauty, like literally all of the brands that you guys have touched. It's like continuous engagement. Really? Yes. I always feel like it's not enough. I'm always like, we need more engagement. It's so, no, like you should be oh, really you. proud. And I know that Thanks. as a founder, it's it never feels yeah. like that because you're like, we can do more, we yeah. can do better 100%. But what are tips that you can give to newer founders about creating an engaged community? And not even just founders, but like creators, because yeah. you're kind of like a hybrid of both. You're a businesswoman, but you're also a creator and people kind of like they relate to you. Yeah. So how have you how have you done that? Any tips that you can give to our audience? I would say definitely like pay attention to your community and build r real relationships. You mm -hmm. know, like everybody matters. Like we weren't always big, especially on the KLE side, like we're a baby still. Mm -hmm. And we had to kind of grow very slowly. I mean, 
you know, we're growing fast now, but in the beginning it was super slow. So it was like acknowledging every person in our community and making them feel important because they are important to us and building real, real relationships. Like we're actually friends with a lot of our community. And I think that's important. Like stay genuine, stay close to the people who follow you and support you. And before you know it, it's like contagion. Like people will tell their friends, oh, I follow this page. I love it. I've learned so many new things. They're awesome. And then it's kind of like word of mouth. So, you know, just start. Start and, and, and really give the love to everyone. Do you leverage your community to help you figure out R&D or like different scents and different products? Yeah, for sure. You know, we always like pay attention to what people are asking for. Even with Yum! Pistachio Gelato, our latest launch, it was actually our brand director, Cara. She was like, everybody's talking about pistachio, but it's like under the radar. Like there's there's fragrances that people are looking for that are not no longer being sold anymore. So it's kind of like this hidden ingredient that maybe has something we could work with. So she suggested it. She's like, why don't you do it after your favorite dessert, pistachio gelato? But it was from the community, like putting that seed in our mm-hmm. heads of pistachio. So yeah, we're very close to them. We listen to them as much as we can. Of course, we then have to like convince the retailers to buy in of what we want to do, but it's very like collaborative. Like we're very close. I mean, what you guys have done with a pistachio scent, it's first of all, like incredible. Like you saw me smelling it. It's because it, I feel like it keeps getting better. Thank you. But like, it's also so unique. Thank you. Like I've never seen a pistachio scent. There are some. There are some pistachio scents. And funny enough, it's now starting to trend like fire. Really? Where we were developing this like over two and a half years ago. Uh But now it's literally like the hot new note. So we didn't know that was going to happen. Again, maybe it was like somewhere out there and... In the social media universe, I don't know, but it is starting to trend. It's an interesting ingredient. It's beautiful. It's in Sol de Janeiro, the really popular yeah. one that they have. So they do have pistachio. But it's a beautiful, a beautiful fragrance. And the nose we worked with on this this fragrance, he's a genius. He's a master perfumer, which is like a big deal in the fragrance world. Like there's not many of them. Mm-hmm. We actually have to get like granted that title from the perfume house and like there's very few so he created the gourmand fragrance family olivier crest uh angel do you know angel by terry mugler yes i it actually was like do a big one yeah, yeah huge. it was like one of the biggest fragrances that launched. was very iconic iconic yeah 30 years ago but he created that fragrance family of like gourmand fragrances and modern perfumery so he's a legend so he helped really make it super complex very interesting very unique which i appreciate too because like for me it's like the one comment that I get that, like, my make part of my soul, like, die is, like, when people are like, oh, that smells like this. And I'm like, ah, like, yeah. as a creator, yeah. like, that's You're the like, worst no, thing. You're like, no, I want it to be its own thing. Like, you don't ever want to be compared to something. But I also get it because, like, with scent memory, like, something can instantly kind of trigger a memory of another fragrance. If you love cherries, you might relate it to a different cherry scent, you know, you love or whatever. But he's he's a legend. So we worked with him on this. That's incredible. So I also think that's something you guys have done really strategically is the fact that you launched Kaoli as its own brand versus like just Huda Beauty perfumes, which is something that you could have very easily done. But I actually think from a founder perspective, it's a lot more strategic as opposed to adding line extensions. So number one, like, can you share a little bit about that decision making process? And number two, I guess, like, why is it advantageous? And also like, what even drove you to start a perfume line to begin with? So to be honest, I've been wanting to start a fragrance brand for over 15 years. Wow. Like it was 2010, I think. Okay, 
13 years, sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm still jet lagged. <laughs> but 13 years, that's when I first met like an investor at the time because we didn't, I didn't have the capital. Mm-hmm. But I've always been obsessed with fragrances myself and I've always wanted to do it. I worked on business plans. I have presentations from 11 years ago. I have samples from 10 years ago. So I've always wanted to do it. And starting it under Hedy Beauty wasn't really a well thought out process. It was more like, I just want to keep things simple in terms of having the same team that I can leverage. But creating it as a different brand was like a must have because it's a different vision. It's a different ethos. Like the the DNA of the brand is so different. And even like the why behind it is so different. So I would say it's really like more my vision where Huda Beauty is really Huda's vision, you know. And even though they're both beauty, to me, like fragrance and color cosmetics are very different. And same with skincare, you know, like I think it could have probably made more sense if Huda did Huda Skin and Huda Beauty together. But at the same time, she wanted to create a very different DNA because she's like wishful was inspired from not wanting to cover up your skin from like having flawless skin where Huda Beauty is like proper cake face, like people who love glam, like people who want to like, you know, full glam 24-7. So I think it depends on your DNA. And also a big part of our vision for the company itself was like being a modern day Estee Lauder, like having a portfolio of brands. Because I feel like that's the way you can create the most uniqueness. You know, if you, you know, for example, if you launch like your own activewear tomorrow, you're going to be tied to like staying with the same branding, you know, um, still your passion because it's I'm, I'm guessing you're probably into like other types of wellness like mm-hmm. yoga. I don't know. Absolutely. Like yeah. I'm sure, you know, but if you launch under the same brand, you're going to be so restricted in terms of like the same colors, everything. So we just wanted flexibility. And for me personally, it was like more like me being able to do my own thing. And I also I don't know. I have a weird complexity of like naming things after myself because a lot of people are like, why don't you call it Monica Tom perfumes? But like I kind of like things being on their own mm-hmm. almost. So Kiali means my imagination in Arabic. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. And the brand itself like has so many tributes to the culture, like the Middle Eastern culture, because even though I grew up in the States, you know, my roots are Middle Eastern and this is like paying a tribute to the Middle East because it inspired me to create fragrances, you know, um, moving to Dubai. I mean, you've been there. Like, it's a perfume lover's playground. Oh, like, my God. It's it, like people are ever, serious. They're crazy. They are. <laughs> they're obsessed. And honestly, like, I've always loved fragrances, like, even when I lived here. But the passion, like, skyrocketed when I moved there. So I felt like I had to pay a tribute to the culture. I I love that. And so, like, when it comes to the DNA of the brand, are you bringing, like, because Middle, Middle Eastern scents, they are, like, very unique. Are you trying to infuse some of that into Kaoli and, like, bringing it into the mainstream? I try to. I try to. I'm not with every single launch. Of you course. Know? Usually, like, every fragrance that we work on, it's, like, starting with, like, a feeling, and then sometimes it could be like a picture of something. Like, for example, I don't know if you've tried Love Fest Burning Cherry. I haven't. It's a beautiful one. Mm-hmm. That one was inspired by my imagination, mm-hmm. like just a, something I was making up in my head. It was Burning Man meets Coachella. <laughs> and it was because I, I made it, I developed it during COVID. So it was like I was fantasizing about celebrating with people and like living life and like having a party. So that's why it was called Love Fest. So that one was very like imaginative. Uh, Yum was actually supposed to be around Middle Eastern desserts. So it started as like, it's going to be Middle Eastern desserts and it evolved, you know, as as they do sometimes. So that's why we have the Turkish Delight note in here. It was originally called Turkish Delight, but it just had, we, you know, we had an evolution, which it happens a lot from the pistachio gelato idea that my uh, my brand director, Cara, gave me. But um, it really depends. I try to keep an ingredient that's tying back. So this one has cardamom, mm-hmm. pistachio itself, like 
you know, Middle Eastern yeah. sweets, every, there's possession, like every like everything, thing. yeah. Even in savory as well. Like, it's just very common, but not always. What about oud? Like, are you trying to, like, kind of mainstream that? Because it's still, I find that it's quite niche in the, like, whenever I'm in Dubai yeah. or Abu Dhabi, it's like, all I smell is oud. Are you trying yeah. to bring that note at all to any of your perfumes? So, <laughs> so the project that took me five years to work on is around that. I can't say much more because yeah, I'll course. get my head chopped <laughs> off by Cara. Um, she'll find me. But something's coming end of the year. Ooh. And I can't say more. I'm going to be in big trouble. But yeah. That is super, super interesting. Yes. And I have my eyes peeled for it. That's very, very exciting. <gasps> Thank you. I do love oud. Like, I love it so much. And I really feel like it's challenging to find brands that have kind of made it more widely appealing. Because it's very strong. It's very strong. And I always say oud to me is like truffle oil. Mm-hmm. If you have too much too fast, you're never going to want it again. Yes. Like you have to like take a little dot, a little bit at a time and kind of create an acquired taste for it. And the more you do that, the more you're going to crave it because it's so addictive. But yeah, I can't say too much else. That's <laughs> so, so exciting. And Thank so you. tell me about like, I guess, developing the fragrance line from start to finish, because obviously it's like a different sort of thing. And, you know, we were talking about how fragrance as like, I guess, like the fragrance influencer, it's just a lot less common than other kind of beauty categories. Yeah. So how has it been doing the storytelling around perfume and bringing that out to people? Because there is a little bit more storytelling than, for example, applying a lipstick. You know what I mean? Like it's it's not as visual. So you almost have to tell a story around why someone should be using the product. Yeah, that's so true. And I kind of had to learn the hard way because, like, originally when I first launched the the brand, I, I expected to just launch it the way we launched Head of Beauty, and I expected it to work, and it didn't. <laughs> like, here's a picture of the fragrance. Buy it because it's so pretty. Like, mm-hmm. this doesn't work. So um, for me, it was really like an evolution of becoming better at storytelling and more in touch with my creativity and better at expressing myself. Honestly speaking, I feel like it really became a lot better when I went through therapy. Like I found out like a lot of blockages I had and I felt like then I was able to kind of articulate what I wanted to actually make people feel. Mm -hmm. So I think getting therapy actually helped a lot, which I did a lot of that during COVID. And also I have a creatively like genius team. Chloe's right over there. A good team and you. So, you know, like credit to you as well. Thank you so much. But, you know. I think just being really expressive is important. And I think that's why you don't find as many creators when it comes to fragrance, because you have to be really, really emotional, a bit more sensitive, where like with with color, it's not as deep or fragrance. It's very emotional. Well, it's it's like a similar thing in our category, right? Because I have friends, for example, who own clothing lines or, you know, like beauty, beauty lines and the like the consumer, they just see the person wearing the thing and it's like oh yeah like it's an easier sell you know whereas when it's something like perfume or goods for the home or like wellness products like ours it's it's a little bit more complex to get to the consumer and make them feel like oh like you know I resonate with this product and I want to buy it right no definitely and like for me fragrance is a feeling you know and I think that's why I'm obsessed with fragrances because I'm like really into making people feel really good. And I think that's what I found so magical about fragrances in the first place. Like, I don't I don't feel like I really understood why I loved fragrances until much later in my life. But 
it's because I feel like it's like your feelings in a bottle, mm-hmm. you know? It's hard to explain that through social. And, like, being a niche indie brand, we don't have budgets to, like, hire celebrities to, like, tell you totally. to buy it. So you really have to paint that picture. And the only way we could do that is through good storytelling on social. Love that. Talk to me about growing your team because you said that you have a great team. What's that been like? And what was it like even at the beginning? Because you've kind of been through it two times over because you started with Huda Beauty and then you now launched Kaoli like a little while back and you've grown a team both times. So what's that been like and what kind of takeaways can you share with other founders? Yeah. Oh, my God. Just thinking about it, I'm like, wow, (laughs) it's been a, you know, it's been a crazy journey. I think that, you know, number one, building Huda Beauty was very different to like building the team with Kaylee because Huda Beauty, the first three years, it was just Huda, myself, Alia, our other sister. And we had like one personal assistant. So the first years, it was like just all hands on deck. Yeah, it was crazy. And I also still had my beauty salon at the time. So it was like literally working around the clock 24-7. As we slowly started to grow, Huda's husband then joined And then we also hired one proper employee. So that was like 20, I think 2015, if I'm not mistaken. How? Yeah. You had the brand for... Well, we we launched the blog 2010 Uh and product we launched in store early 2013. So... That's like not a joke. The fact, like you're just like glazing over... Proper employees end of 2015. Yeah. So, but not even much. Like we, we started having like a big, like not even a big office. It was probably 2,000 square feet. But that was 2016, 2017. 2016, 2017, everything kind of skyrocketed. So it was like we were one pe- we were like one room of like basically family. We were all like together 24-7. And then 2017, growth was insane. We couldn't even keep up with it. It was nuts. Like it became hard to even know who's on the team, who you're working with. Like couldn't keep up with it. You know, because like even interviewing people like to hire someone, we'd interview like 30 people sometimes. So it's like it was so hard. I feel like KL is now in a stage where we were like Huda Beauty in the beginning, where we're all in one room. <laughs> we're a very small team for people who are fully dedicated to the brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love it. I hope I, I mean, of course, I want the brand to grow, but I don't want our team to grow too fast. I, I know exactly what yeah. you mean. It's like very special when mm. you have like a smaller team. Everyone is kind of immersed in the brand DNA and like Completely. living and breathing it. It's just different as the company yeah. starts to grow. Yeah, it's very different. And I feel like it's more magical when it's small because like everybody's feels like they have such a big impact because they do. They do. Like yeah. they have such a huge impact. As you grow, it gets challenging. And I think for Huda Beauty, we did go through a lot of like scaling challenges mm-hmm. and we still, we still are going through them because we scaled right before COVID. Like really. And then COVID happened and then there was like all this disconnect. So it's, it's still something we're trying to like really reignite the magic but it's not easy. I think the people part of being a founder and like having a business is the hardest part. Okay. Like, I literally, I was having a conversation with someone just yesterday. Okay. And they were like, so what would you say is the most challenging part of building a business? And I was like, the people. Like, that is hard. Yeah. It's That's super, why I'm super like, hard. I hope we can stay small as fast, as long as we can, because the less people you have to manage, the less egos, the less insecurities, the less problems that you have to solve that are not work-related. Yeah, lean and mean right now. (laughs) It's like, I think it's interesting that you're talking about it because I think when 
someone is looking at a brand from the outside in, right? Like there's this story that's told that like, oh, big team, big office. And like, it's almost like over glamorous. Like, be so scared. Yeah. I mean, big office, yes. We we actually, we're fitting out a huge office right now. Yeah. So I've just taken a full floor. Uh-huh. But it's because we have a lot of space for content. Totally. So we, like half of the floor, probably more than half of the floor is just for content. Mm-hmm. So, but our team that's fully dedicated for KLE is under 10. Yeah. And yeah. that's like a great yeah. Like it's like a really nice time to yeah. like at, at like at that stage of the brand I feel like. Yeah. I remember when we were under 10 and it was like it's it's our team is still really small. It's 12 of us, yeah. but like it's so intimate still, you know? And I think like it, the company goes through certain inflection points. Like I was talking to one of my friends who has like 50 team members and mm-hmm. she's like, "Oh my god, like managing yeah. this many people is it's tough." It's tough. I do think like definitely making sure that all of the people who dire- directly report to you have a really good understanding of what you like, what you Agreed. don't like, what your values are, so they can kind of infuse it out to to their team as well. Getting really good at that. You know, I'm going to be honest, I was not very good at that before at all, like, mm-hmm. because it's exhausting. <laughs> but now I think I'm better at it, you know. So I think just having a really clear vision of, like, what's important to you so they know. And, and hopefully you hire people who have similar values, you know. Yeah. Um, I think that's really important as well. A hundred percent. So... I also want to talk about the fact that you guys were a family kind of like led business for a long time prior to making your first few hires. What was that like? And kind of like what advice can you give to people who are going into business with their loved ones? Because I think that it really works sometimes and other times it doesn't. Most of the time it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's very, very, very hard. And it was really hard for us, too. And it still is hard, you know, because with family, it's like, they're the people you love the most, but they're also the people that are going to get under your skin the most too, you know? So it's challenging, but I think just having real clear, real clear roles and responsibilities, like who's responsible for what, holding people accountable to that, and a really clear idea of like who's going to lead on the vision part, who's going to lead on X, Y, Z. So I think because we all had very different strengths and weaknesses, it worked. You know, we Myself, Huda, Alia, and my brother-in-law, Chris, very different people. Like every single one of us have different personalities. And I think that helped because we complemented each other. It also created a lot of drama because we never agree on anything. Like especially me and my sister Huda, like we probably disagree on everything. (laughs) So it's really fun when you're around us. Like if you want to like just laugh. But I think when we do agree to disagree and work together, it's so great because she sees things that I don't see at all. This is like... I, I like exactly because I my my co-founder is my husband ah, and ooh, he's, even trickier you but are we love you working together <laughs> <laughs> because it's exactly what you said yeah. he's so different from just mm, so me. great exactly I used to hate that my sister was so different from me and still sometimes I do I'm not gonna lie yeah it drives me crazy but at the same time I know that if you had somebody just like you you're gonna have double the weaknesses and not much better strength because they're like you so and it's then, like. And then when you do disagree, you're both working on the same thing. So it's like, how do you how do you settle that? You know, whereas like if you have like different strengths and different roles and responsibilities, then you're able to work together. And what you said about, you know, either you seeing something that your sister didn't or vice versa is so valuable because the diversity of thought, I think, is what creates a really strong business because it allows you to kind of cover your blind spots. I feel so true. I could not agree with you more. And that's why for me personally, like, especially on the KLE side now, like, it's a very, like, democratic brand. 
like people always give me all the credit, but I'm like, actually, it's like a huge team effort. And like all of us are also different in many ways. So we see things that other people don't see. So I think the more people you get involved in, in helping with the decision making, the better, as long as someone's a final person to say, because you need to make decisions also. But it helps. But I'm really excited for you and your husband, because I have yeah. read somewhere that couples who create businesses together, it ends up making you so much stronger as a couple because it's almost like having another type of baby that's like, it's different, you yeah. know? So it's like having another baby, but not just a baby. It's like a business where you're going to support people and like livelihood and like hopefully grow it to be something that can live beyond your years, you know? Yeah, that's how we feel as well, because like we're both very like purpose driven and that's what we feel like we're doing. But also I find that it's brought us closer together. And I'm sure you can relate to this as well, whereby, you know, it's one thing to have a business and talk to your loved ones about it, right? You tell your partner, you tell your sisters. The other is when they are like in the trenches with you, you know, and they're like, it, it just like they understand you on like a much different yeah. kind of level because they're going through it with you. Yeah. I think owning a business is probably one of the hardest things to go through in this world. I mean, for me, it is. It's yeah, like the hardest thing. So anyone who's there with you through that journey, you're going to feel so close to you know, whether it's your husband or like really close team members, you know, it's like you really bond on another level because you're problem solving 24-7. I agree. And it just, it's, I don't, wanna, I, wanna, I don't want to call it trauma bonding, but it's some sort of bonding. <laughs> it is a little bit. There's maybe. some trauma. Yeah, there's definitely <laughs> some trauma, you know, when everything is not working out, which happens all the time. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a journey yeah. for sure. <laughs> definitely. So, one, uh, I told you I'd opened up questions to our audience and a question that I got actually many times over. So I, I have to ask this is how have you been able to build a sustainable business? Because I find that you are out here building a legacy brand. Like it's oh, not you. like, you know, born today, dying tomorrow. Like you, yeah. I feel like you're in it for the long haul. So like what what are your tips and tricks for other founders for like creating that longevity? Well, I guess it also depends on like why you're starting in the first place, you know, because honestly, I've done both. Like mm -hmm. I've started other things in the past, which, you know, after a while, it's like, OK, this isn't for me anymore. You mm -hmm. know, and that's also OK. Like you don't have to build a legacy every time mm -hmm. and you shouldn't because then it'll be impossible, you know, to do many things. And also, I feel like sometimes people don't want to give up on something just because it means shutting something down or selling it off. And like they're holding on to making it a legacy like Create a legacy with something that you feel you can work on for over 10 years because you can't build a legacy in under that. Like it takes a long time for even the brand to take off mm -hmm. or even the traction to take off. Sometimes you could be working with no salary, like still pulling money out of your pocket repeatedly like for years, yeah. you know, and, and that did happen. I mean, honestly, even with Kaylee till now, like there's sometimes like the comp the brand can't afford things. I'm like, okay, I'm going to pay for it myself because mm -hmm. I believe in it and I want to build it. So you need to be invested with the why. And I think a lot of people don't think of that when they first start, you know, so have a clear vision of like why you're doing what you're doing and where you want to go and create a vision roadmap. And it doesn't have to be perfect. Like I have one, but it's very rough. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, in 20 years from now, where would I like to be? Like, where would I be in the world in terms of the brand and, like, what products would we have? What categories would we be outside of just beauty? You know, like, 
just brainstorm Mm -hmm. and have fun with it, too. You don't have to take it too seriously. Like, just be creative. Something you said earlier on during this conversation was that you kind of saw, like, you guys see yourselves as almost like an Estee Lauder and, like, with a portfolio of brands, which I think is incredibly strategic and smart. But for... Like, when do you even decide what the right time is to start another brand? Because one in itself is so time consuming. It is. We're still learning a lot. You know, I think that it has to have the right intention. So for me, Kaylee was always like something I wanted to create. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily that name exactly, but like a perfume brand was always like something that I was hungry to, Mm -hmm. to do. For Huda specifically, like with Wishful, it was because she had kind of I don't want to say fallen out of love of her glam look, but she was like really appreciating her skin because mm-hmm. she started so many amazing, she creating amazing skincare products that helped her feel confident without makeup. So she felt like she wanted to now let that part of herself shine. But it's challenging, you know, and I do think like now, like looking at things in retrospect, I think it's best if you want to create a brand to focus on one as a founder. Mm-hmm. You know, like for me personally, I don't think I'll start another brand if it's not KLE unless it's related to the exact same thing and I can leverage different resources we have. Otherwise, I think invest in another founder and build a brand for them, you know, um, because you can still leverage your resources. And like Estee Lauder, if you look at the portfolio of businesses they have, most of them are not Estee Lauder founded businesses. Exactly. You know, yeah. They're acquiring a founder's vision and supporting it. Either most of them are full full acquisitions, but, you know, Again, it's it's challenging. Yeah, it 100% is. Because I feel like when you're a founder, you're really putting part of your soul out there. Absolutely, yeah. you are. You And that's why it's like it's really, I think, inspiring to see the, like, the work that you've done because it's one thing to start one successful brand and to see you have had a part to play in three different successful brands, oh, Kaoli, Huda, and Wishful is it's like, I mean, as a founder and like, j- just like a, like a, a consumer even, I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> this is like, do they sleep? Thank you. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. Well, I'm going to sleep well tonight <laughs> with your products. How do I say your brand? Array. Array. Oh, what does that mean? Does it mean anything? Yeah. So we wanted to solve an array of problems. Oh, I like that. And then also array is, so my husband comes from software development. So array is like this thing that holds a bunch of data points. And oh, so cool. that's why like, if you see like everything's in brackets, that's how you code it. Oh, and then also oh wow. a ray of sunshine because we that. want to be like very positive I and stuff. So, so yeah, yes, I love it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm definitely going to use that tonight and and hopefully sleep better. But but yeah, you know, it's I think it's also just after doing a lot of therapy, I've realized it's also like it's a big core value of mine is achievement. And I didn't really understand myself before, but um, like growing up, like I definitely. I think just coming from like immigrant parents, like Mm -hmm. they put so much pressure on you to work and be productive that you feel guilty when you're not doing that. Oh my God, totally. So I kind of struggle with that. So I do think that's part of the reason why I'm so driven. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but... I'm just making it work right it's, now. It's a double-edged sword. It's <laughs> yeah. so funny. I was getting, actually, one of my prior guests, she was a tarot card reader, and she was doing a reading on me, like, live. And she's like, this is, like, your superpower is the fact that you are out here to constantly prove yourself. But, like, it's also, it's like a double-edged sword, you know? Yeah. And so, like, it's, it's... like I have no balance. <laughs> yeah. And, like, you're, it's like your driving force, yeah. but then you're also, like, I don't know, like, that's kind of where you place a lot of your yeah. self-worth. So it's, it's definitely yeah. an interesting place to be, but... I mean, it's I feel good like because... I realized after after having this, you know, awareness of this issue or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, I've realized now like most super driven people have gone through that of like 
their parents did not have fun mm-hmm. or they were immigrants or they had a really tough life. So like you're, you're kind of built to work, mm-hmm. you know, and again, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? I don't know, but it's who I am. I've tried to be more balanced and I still try all the time, but I'm just not. Very I mean, extreme. Yeah. And I think the the solution here is also it helps to really love what you do. And like then you're, you know, you have to love what you do. Otherwise, exactly. you're going to be extremely miserable. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Mona, it has been a joy. I think Thank everyone's going to learn so much from this conversation. I'm Thank really you. excited to bring it to people. Tell everyone where they can find you, where they can shop Kaoli. Tell us everything. Thank you so much. So you can find me on all social platforms just at Mona Catan. For Kaylee, it's at Kaylee, and you can shop with us at HuddaBeauty.com or Sephora all over the U.S. and in Europe with Cult Beauty, Harrod Selfridges, and Feel Unique. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved the episode and feel like it brought you value, don't forget to rate the show and leave a review. It takes five seconds and really helps the show grow so I can keep bringing on awesome guests. If you want to follow me behind the scenes, you can find me on Instagram at Sif And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I drop new episodes every Tuesday, so come hang with me and shoot the shit with some really smart people, learn and unlearn, and have a lot of fun. See you next week. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.